You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. We're picking up in part two that we started last week in part one. is just simply titled, I Will. We've talked about how there's this uh, interesting thing that happened at the beginning of time where God freely gave us something called free will which means we get to make a choice. Adam and Eve had the choice. Do I eat the fruit? Do I not eat the fruit? Do I go away from the tree or do I get near the tree? They decided to get near the tree and they decided to eat the fruit. And there were consequences to those actions. That we're going to see in this scripture that we're highlighting, we've talked about verse 1, we'll talk about it in verse 2, some decisions that you get to make. You're not a robot. As soon as you become a Christian, God doesn't take out Your mind, will, and emotions, he doesn't take you out of this earth. He just puts a new spirit inside of you, and he gives you the opportunity to make choices. What you want to do, where you want to go, how you want to have a relationship with him, how far you want to go. Do you want to go to church? Do you not want to go to church? Do you want to witness? Do you not want to witness? And there are some scriptures that we see David preaching and singing about in Psalms chapter 9. We can bring it up. Psalms chapter 9, verse 1 says, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of all your marvelous works. Let's go to verse 2. I will be glad. This is what we'll be talking about today. I will be glad and rejoice in you. And the last one, I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. Last week, we talked about in verse 1, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. That phrase, I will praise, means to revere or worship with extended hands, confession, praise, thankful, thanksgiving. I will praise, I will make it a priority, I will make a choice that I will praise God and I'll do it with my whole heart. Extended hands. Extended hands, you have them wide open. Confession, praise, thanksgiving, being thankful. Make it a priority. Second thing we talked about is I will tell of God's great works. That phrase, I will tell, means to count, to recount, to give account, to celebrate, to declare, to speak, to tell out, and to talk. And we focused on kind of three things when it comes to testifying or telling about the marvelous works of God. One, it's important and vital that we ourselves remember what God has done in our lives. It's important that you should probably keep a journal of some capacity that you can write down what God did for you. Unless you have a great memory, write, do a Word document, write in your Bible This Bible verse became real to me on this date. God showed up on this date. I got saved on this date because of this scripture or this sermon. That we make it a a priority to remember ourselves of the great things that God has done in our lives. Because when you remember what he did, when you're in the middle of a storm, you're not going to think, well, where is God? If he saved me in the past, he'll save me again. It's also important to give an account to other people. To tell other people about the goodness of God, that when we come to church, that it's not just the pastor that's up here ranting and raving, but while we're getting coffee, when we're telling each other hi, when we're sitting next to each other at the end of service, we tell people what God has done. 
because the stories that you tell are going to help increase and build my faith. That there are people in here who have been healed by God. They had a sickness and now they no longer have that sickness because God intervened. There were relationships that were broken that are now mended. There are people who were sinners, ugly, ugly, dirty sinners, and now they are righteous because of what God did in their lives and how they saved them and how they freed them. That we have testimonies that we encourage and we tell each other because you never know what I'm dealing with or what you're dealing with. And when you come in and say, I just got a new job, I've been praying and believing and asking for him to show up in regards to my finances or in a job, and I went on an interview and I got a job. You don't know what that means to me. You don't know what that means to the person on your left or right. I was sick. I was dealing with this. Somebody prayed for me. I text somebody and they prayed over me and I got healed. You don't know what that testimony means to somebody. So it's important that we remember what God did in our lives. It's important that we share with what God did. And it's also vitally important to testify about what you're going into. We don't just testify about God bringing us out of Egypt. We also testify about God bringing us into the promised land. So you might not see the promised land in whatever situation you're going in, but I can find a scripture in the Word of God that I can testify about where my life is going. I might not like where I am, but the Word of God is going to help me and show me how I can get there. I'm not going to be the same person that I was yesterday. I'm not going to be the same person that you've known for these last year, six years, ten years, whatever, God is going to take me from glory to glory, from faith to faith, and by the end of this year, by the end of next year, I'm going to be in a better place. I'm going to be somewhere. I'm going to testify about where God's bringing me. It's important that we remember what He did. We tell people about what He did, but we also testify about where He's bringing me. I'm going to be more healed. I'm going to have a better marriage. My kids are going to obey and be better kids. My finances are going to be in better order. The church is going to be in a better place. I'm testifying about where I'm going. I will. I make a choice. I'm not going to say, well, tomorrow's supposed to rain tomorrow. Always rains on Monday. I hate Mondays. No, no, no. Monday is going to be the best Monday that I've had all year. I had some good Mondays this year, but this Monday coming is going to be the best one because God is on my side. Y'all got me preaching on something I got last week. Let's jump into the new one. I will testify of what God is going to do in my life. So verse 2 of Psalms chapter 9, we see the last two statements. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. I will be glad and rejoice in you. That phrase, I will be glad, means to cheer up, to brighten up, and to be joyful. I will be glad and rejoice in Him. I will cheer up and rejoice in Him. I will brighten up and rejoice in Him. I will be joyful and rejoice in Him. If you got mad, then you can get glad. My pastor always says, in the same pants you got mad in, you can get glad in those same exact pants. Because it's a choice. 
Some people say, well, you don't know my anger. I just, I just get, I just see red. Okay. Well, it didn't start like that. There's an opportunity where you can change that. Well, I just get mad. That's just how my, and that's just how my parents were, and that's just, no, no, no. If you can get mad, you can get glad. It's a choice. It's an opportunity to change your perspective. And how are you going to get glad? It starts by rejoicing in Him, being joyful in Him. And when you're joyful in Him and you know what He has for you and what He says about you, then no matter what situation you go into, you can only be glad because He's with you and He's going to provide for you. James chapter 1 Verses 2 through 4, it says, My brethren, my brothers and sisters, count it all joy. When you win the lottery, count it all joy. When you're eating turkey on Thanksgiving, when you're opening presents, come on, James, tell me when I should count it all joy. When my team wins, my teams haven't been winning, so it hasn't been joyful. Count it all joy. Okay, James, when you fall into various trials. You lost me there, James. I'm closing the book. I'm three verses in, and you've already made me mad. But look, why is he telling me to count it all joy when I fall into various trials? Because knowing, knowing, remember, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There's something about knowing. Yes, I can listen to somebody saying, Hey, don't be mad. Get glad. I can listen to that all day. But there's something different between you telling me that and me knowing that inside of me, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. What is the testing of your faith? Are you going to believe it or are you not? Are you going to believe your situation or are you going to believe God? That's the testing of your faith. That's what it boils down to. In 2 Corinthians, it says that you need, to, um, you need to examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. When you come up against a situation, and at that moment, you can get mad, you can get sad, you can get depressed, you can get angry, you can get frustrated, whatever emotion you want to get there, you can choose to do that or you can choose to be glad the testing of your faith. Do I believe what God said or am I going to believe my situation right now? Am I going to believe what's right in front of me or am I going to believe what God has said? And whenever you know and you pass that test, I don't care what this situation is throwing at me, God is on my side. God is with me. doesn't matter. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's walking around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Well, he's not going to devour me. He's not going to destroy me. He's not going to end me because God is on my side. He's come to give life and life more abundantly. Therefore, I know that I have the victory. Therefore, I know that this is not the end. Therefore, I know he's going to show up. It produces patience. That word patience in the Greek means cheerful or hopeful endurance. It produces cheerful or hopeful endurance. When I decide that I'm going to trust God, what is produced is cheerful or hopeful 
endurance. The joy of the Lord is your strength. That is what helps you and holds you up in the middle of the chaos. When people say, how can you, I see what you're going through. Why are you smiling? Why are you cheerful? Why are you giving? Why, why are you, you should be broken. You should be torn down. You should run away. You should be hiding. But yet you still come to church. You're still worshiping. Your hands are still lifted. You're still smiling and sharing and talking and helping. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. In verse 4, but let patience have its perfect work. Cheerful endurance is going to have its perfect work. If I have that cheerful endurance, God's going to provide. God's going to show up. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't see the finish line, but he's going to show up. I'm just going to keep running the race that's set before me. It's going to have perfect work in you. And look, that you, in the middle of the various trial, that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. One of those threes is good enough. Just tell me that I'm perfect. Thank you, God. God, once again, being abundant God, who loves to give, who's a gift giver, is going to let you be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. And if I'm lacking nothing, then that means I'm coming through that trial. That means He's provided me the answers. He's provided me the resources. He's provided me the people to help me get through that trial. No reason to get mad. Might as well stay glad. When I was a kid, and now that I've got children, I was a big video game nerd, as much as we could afford, which was like two video games. And I always played Super Mario, the plumber, and his brother Luigi, or this other game called The Legends of Zelda. And the little character on that, his name was Link. And, and there were two different games, but they had similar stories. It always started with there being a bad guy who showed up, and he was trying to destroy the world, and he always stole the princess. That's how both the two games in their own special way were set up. And so either as Mario or as Link, the focus of the game at the end of it was to defeat the bad guy, save the world, and rescue the princess, get the girl, get the kiss at the end. And I knew that because I'd played several of these games. There's a lot of Mario games, there's a lot of Legends of Zelda games, and it's the same thing over and over and over again. The beginning of the game, bad guy shows up, he steals the princess, and he threatens to destroy the world. Then it's my job as the player to go and rescue the princess, save the world, defeat the bad guy. But as you're going, you go through different levels, you go through different temples or caves, and no matter how hard the game was, I knew at the end... I was going to achieve victory. I knew that at the end I was going to beat the bad guy, I was going to save the world, and I was going to rescue the princess. And if I was in the first level, the third level, the tenth level, the fifteenth level, and it was hard and I was falling apart and I was losing lives and I was losing all these things, I knew it wasn't the end because I hadn't achieved the victory. Because I knew at the end of every game I always won. I just had to beat him. Save the world and rescue the princess. So therefore, in the middle of the hardest dungeon, in the middle of the hardest level, I had to remind myself to not be mad, 
but to get glad because the end wasn't there yet. The bad guy never won. I always beat him at the end. I always achieved the victory. Even in the worst situation, you can choose to be glad because that situation is not your end. Your end is the victory, so get glad because God is about to show up. This is an opportunity for you to get stronger and not sink like everyone else. Romans chapter 8, we've heard this scripture before, verse 35, says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then just to reaffirm his stance on who shall separate, he starts listing off some pretty bad things. Tribulation, nobody likes that. Distress, hate that. Persecution, don't want that. Famine, I'm hungry. Nakedness, I need clothes because I'm cold. Or peril or sword. But look at verse 36. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Verse 37. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That doesn't get you glad. Let's look at the next verse. John 16, verse 33. Jesus is speaking. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Get happy. Don't be mad. Don't get sad. Be of good cheer. I have already overcome the world. Look at 1 John 4.4. You are of God, little children. And have overcome the world because he who is in you is greater than anything that's in the world. You might be at the worst level, at the worst dungeon of your life, but the end is not there. The end is always victory for Christians. You win in the end. So if that big, bad, dumb devil is trying to attack you, it doesn't matter what he's doing because it's not the end. Because the end is always victory. I know that I'm going to win. So therefore, if I'm not winning right now, then I haven't got to the end. Because God is on my side in the middle of the storm. I can smile at that dumb devil and laugh at him and say, this is the best that you have. Because I already know I have the victory. I already know that God is on my side. I know that God is already bringing me and causing me to triumph in all things. He's given me the victory. He is the victory. He's overcome the world. Greater is he that's in me than anything that tries to overcome me. So therefore, I choose to be glad and rejoice in him in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the situation, in the middle of the season. I choose to put a big old smile on my face because my daddy's got my back, and he's going to beat up the bully. I will be glad. And the last part we have, Psalms chapter 1, I mean Psalms chapter 9, verse 2. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. That phrase, I will sing means to sing, it means to sing praises, it means to make music, and it means to play a musical instrument. I will sing, sing praises, make music, play a musical instrument. Psalms chapter 100, verse 1, Psalms chapter 100, verse 1, 
says, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. This is like a life verse right here. My father-in-law, when he built my wife a guitar, he put this scripture in there for us. For her, I don't play. (laughs) But this scripture right here, make a joyful shout, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all you lands. Just a shout, just a noise. Doesn't say you have to carry a tune. Doesn't say you have to be classically trained. Doesn't say you have to sing like the best singer out there. He's encouraging and calling you, you yourself, to make a noise. You might not be able to hold a musical instrument. You might not be able to hold a microphone. You might not be able to even hold a tune. But what you do hold is a noise. And that noise is very unique. Your voice is very unique because God put that voice in you. God's the one who gave you that voice. And if God gave you that voice, then he wants to hear you sing. He wants to hear your praises. He wants to hear you make a joyful noise. And even if you say, I can't carry a tune in a bucket, I will sing. But specifically what I'm going to sing about is your great name. And I'll sing about how good you are, how blessed you are have helped me, how you saved me, how you raised me, how you took me out of the miry clay, how you set me on the chief cornerstone, your son Jesus. I'll sing about that. In Psalms chapter 96, Psalms 96 verses 1 through 4 says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth, verse 2. Sing to the Lord, bless His name, proclaim the good news of His salvation, look, from day to day. You shouldn't just be singing the three or four songs that we have on Sunday for 15 or 20 minutes. There should be a song inside of you. There shouldn't be a stagnant song. There should be a new song that comes out of you as you interact with God more and more and encounter Him more and more, that you sing and you bless His name And you sing about his salvation from day to day. Verse 3, declare his glory among the nations. His wonders, I will testify, among all peoples. And verse 4 says, for the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Well, I can't sing and I don't know how to carry a tune and I don't know how to worship. You don't sing because you got a good voice, you sing because he's great and his great name, and he deserves to be greatly praised. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but when we get to heaven, yes, we're going to be reunited with our loved ones. We're going to see all the men and women of faith from the Bible. We're going to see the Holy Spirit, we're going to see Jesus, our Savior, we're going to see God, our Father, and the direct response of seeing Him is holy, holy. Worthy are you, God. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, who deserves all the praises, who deserves all the triumph, who deserves all the glory. Scripture says that there are angels that are circling around Him, singing His praises, 
And as they circle his throne, they still see new things. How long have these angels and these people that have been in his throne room been singing and praising and looking at him, and they're still finding new things about him, which encourages me on my little existence here on life, that I can taste and see that the Lord is good, that I can lean into him and see something new about him and get a new revelation of one of his names on who he is and how he's blessed me and how he's saved me and how he's restored me. Makes me want to shout, the song says, hallelujah. Lord, you're worthy of all the honor and all the praise. 1 Corinthians, Paul is writing as he's finishing up uh, his, his big kind of uh, doctrinal stance as he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And it's interesting, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 15, he says this as he's concluding. In chapter 14, he's talking about speaking in tongues and prophesying. In verse 12, he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Verse uh, chapter 13, he's talking about um, what is love, and he sandwiches love in between the gifts of the Spirit and prophecy and speaking in tongues. And look, what is the conclusion then? He's wrapping up this kind of uh, doctrinal uh, paragraph that he's been writing so he can go on to the next thing in verse 15. He says, I will pray with the Spirit. He makes a choice. He makes a decision. I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. And then look at this. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. That we can pray, not only I might not have a song to sing, but the Holy Spirit has a song inside of me that I can sing. I can sing in my natural voice, my natural language. I can also sing and pray in tongues as well. And it also says here that I'll sing in the Spirit and also sing in my own understanding. I'll sing with the Holy Spirit, but I'll also sing in my own language. Praise you, Father. Worship you. Sing a song. I don't know if you ever remember that old school Sesame Sesame Street, sing, sing a song, sing happy, not sad. No, maybe not. Maybe it was just me. Old school song from, uh, I think Big Bird used to sing it. Speaking of songs, I just wrote down a list here. The oldest song that was ever recorded or ever found was called the Hurrian, H-U-R-R-I-A-N, hymn number six. And they found it on a woman's tomb in Turkey. And it was a Greek song from 1400 B.C. And they found the tune that it was written out on this woman's grave on this marble slab. And actually last night, if you, if you search the song, you can hear it played on YouTube or whatever. Somebody plays this wonderful song. Sounds a lot better than 90% of the stuff on the radio. Just this beautiful melody that was written. A couple years back, they pulled and polled like 150 well-known composers. And they, they posed them the question of what is the greatest symphony of all time? 150 well-known musicians, they polled them and they came up with a list. And the number one symphony that came, they came up with I don't even really know how to say it. Uh, the, I tried to understand it, the Iroquois, the, the Iroquois, E-R-O-I-C-A, Beethoven's Third Symphony, 
which was written in 1803. It's not the one that does the dun-dun-dun-dun. That's a different one. I think it made the top 10. I think it was number 11 on the list. But this one, the word eroica, or however you pronounce it, in, the, in Italian, it means the hero. And it was written, he wrote it based off of Napoleon and the, the triumphs that he was doing. And then when Beethoven heard that Napoleon declared himself as an emperor, he immediately erased all mention of Napoleon. It says in the actual manuscript or the writing that he erased it so hard, he erased a hole in the paper as he was trying to get rid of Napoleon's name. But it's the greatest symphony that was ever written. What about the greatest song of all time? Rolling Stone has this list of like 500 songs that they roll through that they constantly revisit. And the number one song, the greatest song of all time, was Respect by a little old lady named Aretha Franklin that she recorded in 1967. Rolling Stones believes is the greatest song of all time. And then I just checked last night what the number one song on the billboards were. As of November 2021, Adele just came out with her CD and her song for like the fifth or sixth week in a row, Easy On Me, is the number one song out there. And we see the oldest song written all the way back in 1400 B.C., the greatest symphony of all time written in 1803, the greatest song ever sung back in 1967. And my question for you when it comes to singing songs is what is the oldest song you have been singing to God? Your whole life, what's the song you can remember singing. I was sitting there and I was thinking of songs back in high school. I was thinking of songs. There's a, 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 Bi- a Bible character. Um, he's not really, I don't even know how to explain it, but um, have you ever heard of Salty, the singing songbook? I don't know how many people have, um, but it's literally a, a, hymnal, a hymnal that's come to life. And we watched that as a kid. And you can find it on YouTube. It's what we used to watch on tape. And uh, there's a song that he sang called Make Me a Servant. And I watched this video as a kid. And once Noah was born, I found the 30, 45-minute video on YouTube and have him watch it. Now Eliza watches it. And it's just this simple, cute little thing where this come-to-life hymnal is singing songs to God. One of the earliest songs that I can remember, and the song is Make Me a Servant. I remember songs in high school that our youth group sang. Another question that I wrote is, what is the greatest song that you've sang throughout your life to God? I'm not talking about, you know, the greatest country song, the song you dance to at your wedding, song that makes you cry on the radio. I'm talking about the song that you sang to God, the greatest one. What song have you heard or you remember changed your life, that helped you through a difficult time, you should go back and revisit that song and listen to it. And right now, the last question I have is, what song are you singing right now? This week, like I was saying at the beginning, I had Maddie last night just throw in that little song, that Hillsong song, Another in the Fire, because I truly 
felt as I was listening to it this week while I was working, and that song just kind of kept staying on repeat, that there was something there that God wanted to do, that, the, that God wanted to show us something and visit us through that song. And so I asked her last night and said, can you just, I know you've got your four songs, but can you just throw that little hook on there? Because it's a song that means something to me right now. We go back and we revisit these songs that we've sang that changed and helped our lives and that we sing those songs to Him. We make it a priority. I will sing of your great name. And as I finish, I want to highlight one last scripture. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Here's a, another example of God doing something, of God choosing to do something for you. God is speaking. The Lord is speaking in Isaiah to the prophet Isaiah and he's writing it down, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Here we go. It looks similar to Psalms 29. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. And look what he's going to do. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You say, well, I'm, I don't want to do all that. I'm tired of doing all this stuff for God. Look at how much God is willing to do for you. Look at how much he's willing. God has shown you what he's willing to do for you, and the question remains, what are you willing to do for him? It's interesting that three of the four in Psalms 9, verse 1 and 2, three of the four deal with your mouth and what you're saying. I will praise, I will testify, I will sing. But the choice begins with your mouth and what you're saying and what you're doing. And then the fourth option is I will be glad to make a choice to get your emotions in check. We are going into the holiday seasons and some of y'all have great families. Some of y'all have terrible families. Some of y'all have no families. And these holidays are ups and downs when it comes to your emotions. But choose today. Choose going into this holiday week, no matter who you see, that weird uncle, that crazy cousin, that frustrating mother, that annoying sibling, choose today that the holidays aren't going to break you like they have in the past. I'm going to make a choice today that I'm going to praise God. I'm going to make a choice today that I'm going to testify about Him. They might come to me and say, oh, I hear you lost your job. I see you put on a few pounds since the last time we saw you. I still see you can't cook a turkey. It's dry as a bone. Nope. I'm going to testify about what God did. I got a new recipe. I got a new weight loss program. God's going to help me. I'm going to eat this pie and I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to testify. God's good. He's going to provide a job for me. He's going to take care of my family. Let me tell you what he's done. I'm going to sing good songs Worship his name. And I'm going to make a choice to be glad. When that person walks through that door on turkey day in a couple of days, and your emotions instantly do that, oh, can't believe they showed up. Why'd she have to invite them? Why'd he bring her? Why this? Why that? No, no, no. I'm going to make a choice to be glad. It's good to see you. God bless you. God forgive you. I'm working through it, but God forgive you. Make a choice. I will, I will, I will, I will, and watch your life 
change in Jesus' name. Amen? Let's stand up as we get ready to head out today. I will have a good ride in that car and drive with my family. Praise God. I will be glad on this road trip in the name of Jesus. So glad to see y'all. Thank y'all for being here. I hope and pray y'all have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Make the choice. Make the choice. You're going to have the opportunity. Now that you have been taught, now that you have been shown the Scriptures, you are going to have an opportunity this week to be glad, to testify instead of terrorize, instead of singing that old country song about your wife taking your dog, your truck, your house, and everything else. Talk about God providing your dog, your truck, and everything else. Praise His name. Praise His name. Father, we thank You. Thank You that You're a good God. Thank You that this is a two-way street, that it's not just us willing to do all these things, but You also willfully do things for us. You willfully give us strength. You willfully uphold us with your right hand. You willfully bless us. You willfully encourage us. You willfully love us. You willfully save us. And I thank you, Father, that we have the opportunity to willfully do things for you. No matter the circumstance, no matter what's going on, we make a choice to choose you, to choose your side, to choose your blessing, to choose your word over any of our circumstances, over any of our situations. We choose you. We choose your word. Father, I thank you for each and every person here. I thank you as we go into the holidays, as we go into Thanksgiving, as they're traveling, I pray traveling mercies over them. Father, send your angels out before them. Protect them. Let there be no traffic. Let there be no cops. Let there be no construction. Father, just give them smooth traveling. Father, as they walk into the houses of their family, Father, I speak peace over those houses now. And I thank you that each and every person here, they bring and diffuse the knowledge and the, and the fragrance of Jesus Christ everywhere they go. Yes, it might be a toxic house, but when I walk into it, there is peace in the name of Jesus. Yes, there might be confusion, there might be frustration, there might be criticism, but when I walk in, when my family walks in, there is peace in the name of Jesus everywhere we go and everywhere we step. Father, I thank you for good food, good fellowship, good friends and family as we go into this Thanksgiving week. Father, give people wisdom on how to cook their turkeys so they don't burn them. Protect their houses so they don't burn their house down. Protect their friends and family. Father, I think you've given us, all of us the mind of Christ. You've given us all the knowledge and wisdom. Father, you've given us all your healing, your salvation, your mercy, your favor. And I thank you that you gave that to us. We are thankful. We choose. We could be anywhere else. We could be in a hospital. We could be in a jail. We could be in a casket. But we are here today because of your mercies, because of your hand of protection on us. And we say thank you for that. We thank you for our family. We thank you for this church. We thank you for this community. We thank you for our community's government. Thank you for this nation. We thank you that we're still free. We thank you for our nation's government. We thank you that you're moving and speaking in this place. Father, bring us all back safely on the other side. And let us, as we eat, lose more weight than gain it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. Happy Thanksgiving. We will see you all next Sunday. Take care, family. Be blessed. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.